Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. Hello, human listeners and dog friends. So I want you to take a moment to imagine a scenario where you are a foreign exchange student and uh, you just arrived in this new country where you don't speak the language. And you've been placed with a family and uh, they're pretty nice to you. you. You generally like them. You don't understand what's going on a lot of the time, but they're pretty kind to you and they tend to help you figure out what's what, where to be, what to do. And over time you you pick up little things here and there and you get really good at just sort of reading situations in order to figure out what's happening. And then one day they take off all your clothing and they don't let you put other clothing on and they don't seem to be doing this for any kind of sexual reason but they seem to be getting a real kick out of it and uh, they begin taking your photo they take you on a long walk throughout the city maybe they even take you to a park where there are a lot of other families who have Uh, foreign exchange students who are also naked and they don't speak your language either and all you can kind of do is uh, look at these other poor souls and uh, feel great empathy and discomfort because everyone around you is staring at you and really enjoying the fact that you are naked. Now you have No idea whether or not they're ever going to give you back your clothes or if this nudity situation is the new normal. You aren't clear why all of uh, these other foreign exchange students also don't have any clothes. It's not clear to you why your family seems to be enjoying you being naked so much. Uh, And you're doing everything you can to show that you're uncomfortable, you're crossing your legs, you're crossing your arms, you are trying to hide your private parts, and uh, kind of making faces of discomfort, but no one seems to notice. They just keep snapping pictures and showing you off to their friends. I think that this must be kind of what it's like for a lot of dogs on Halloween. Because I think we take our clothedness for granted just as they take their nudity for granted. And for many dogs, having to wear clothing is probably as jarring as being forced to be naked if you're a human. Now, of course, we all know some dogs who are just totally game 
for whatever who you could flop around in any position and they're happy to be there who <laughs> you can dress up all day long and sit down and pretend uh, you're having a tea party with them and your kids and they're just happy to be there wearing whatever goofy hat or wig or shoes you happen to put on them just like there are people like that right where everything slides off their back they totally don't mind how you mess with them or how how the world screws with them they're just happy to be there and game for whatever but then there are certainly dogs uh, on, on the spectrum of emotions and behavior, there are certainly dogs who are super, super stressed out by having to wear anything unusual. And if there's one day where dogs are asked to uh, wear something unusual, it's generally Halloween. Now, if you dress up your dog if you're dressing up your dog this year, if you have dressed up your dog in the past, I don't want you to feel like, oh, Annie's here telling me I'm a bad dog owner because I have certainly put my dog Amos in many a silly costume. <laughs> I just think it's a good opportunity, first of all, to think about how we can acclimate a dog to anything or many things at least, uh, including a costume. How we might be able to use this moment uh, where we put dogs in costume to like sharpen our ability to notice when they are uncomfortable. And uh, you know, because you might be bringing your dog to a parade or a party, it might not be your dog who is uncomfortable, but you might uh, build your ability to notice what we call stress signals or displacement behaviors in other dogs, which can only help you be a better dog owner. And lastly, I just want to talk about some creative ways you can put your dog in a costume and celebrate this holiday and maybe be a little silly, have a little fun without uh, stressing them out, sort of like low stress, really easy uh, costume options or alternatives. And I'm always looking for um, new creative, low stress, easy costume ideas. So if you have any, please, please share them with me. Um, you can uh, post them in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash school for the dogs or um, tag us on Instagram or DM me on Instagram at School for the Dogs. Um, and actually, I was going to talk about low stress, easy costumes at the end of this episode, but gosh darn it, it's my podcast and uh, I can do whatever I want. Let's talk about them now. So uh, whenever I think about these sort of low stress, easy costume ideas, I always remember this kid in high school on Halloween who thread a tea bag through his teeth and uh, announced to everybody that he was dressed up for Halloween as a cup of tea. And of course, this was sort of silly and stupid in the way that high school kids are silly and stupid, but it was also sort of genius, I think, I thought. And uh, I'm always trying to figure out what's the, what's the cup of tea alternative costume that we can come up with for a dog. What could be that easy and funny and clever? And um, 
I think like the easiest best costume I've I've seen that people tend to hit on is putting a, a tie tag on a dog ty um, these are like the heart-shaped tags that come on beanie babies or used to come on beanie, beanie babies I don't know if beanie babies are still a thing um, but certainly uh, if you were a child or teenager of the 90s you remember them and uh, it's certainly something you can make yourself or you can buy them I will link to them in the show notes but they're uh, just you know putting a, <laughs> a tag on your dog to make your dog look like a, uh, a stuffed animal um, I'll also link to instructions online of how you could make your own if uh, if you're in a pinch and don't have time to buy one um, but super sweet super simple attaches to your dog neck your dog's neck of course your dog uh, is probably already used to uh, wearing things on his or her neck uh, such as tags so not a big deal um, I also really like uh, a couple of costumes that I've seen that uh, you can get them on Amazon um, that are kind of like harnesses um, but they have like a stuffed animal um, person attached to the top of the harness so there's one that looks like a jockey there's one that looks like a cowboy so it looks like you know you have a jockey or a cowboy kind of riding your dog and because it just straps on like a simple harness and I don't think the stuffed animal that's atop the dog has much weight um, it's uh, it's I think generally not going to impede your dog's mo movement and most dogs can wear these without a lot of anxiety uh, I would say I have one of these for my dog Amos and uh, I'll put a photo of him too in the show notes wearing it there are lots of adorable bandanas also that you can get for dogs and there are bandanas that look like little capes if you want to dress your dog as a superhero Etsy is full of uh, holiday themed bandanas which are really cute for Halloween there's one that I like that uh, looks like a triangular piece of candy corn and um, you know one thing that uh, I think is kind of a cool idea is actually painting on your dog a few years ago we did this with some of our dog students at school for the dogs we got a bunch of what's called pet paint and we hired some artists to uh, spray paint the dogs with this dog safe pet safe paint that's kind of it's kind of chalky it comes out pretty easily you can just brush it out or just like with a, a bath it'll come out um, it's not permanent in any way they also make stencils so that you can stencil things on with these um, pet safe spray paints and there are blow markers that a lot of uh, groomers use that you can also use to put little stencils on onto your dogs they also make dog safe nail polish which you could do something with if you want to paint their claws my only problem with the um the pet safe paint which is called pet paint was when it comes out of the can it makes a really loud shh kind of noise which scared some of the dogs we were working with so i think they're 
there's money to be made out there if somebody could make a pet safe paint that could actually be painted on rather than sprayed on but when you think about it i think you know painting your dog uh, can actually be a lot less stressful for your dog because they're not actually having to wear something they don't necessarily feel the paint and uh, of course there is a whole uh, world of what's called um, creative grooming where people go to uh, extremes to sculpt their dogs mostly like poodle breed kind of dogs using shears and buzzers and clippers and uh, and all kinds of dye to sort of create these sculptures out of their dogs which is sort of a different thing but um, I'm all for it because I think it doesn't harm the dogs. The dogs are getting a lot of attention both during the time that they're being worked on and, uh, and from other people afterwards. I think some dogs can, can, can or might really enjoy that kind of attention. Now, if you are going to train your dog to wear a costume, it's going to be all about helping them create good associations with wearing whatever it is you want your dog to wear and to do it over time. I think one problem with Halloween is often the first time someone puts a costume on their dog, it's on Halloween or when they're going to whatever dog parade or dog party they're going to. And not only is your dog now dealing with the stress of wearing this strange getup, he or she is also dealing with having to be in crowds, having to be around people who are wearing weird things, having to be around other dogs who are wearing weird things. And because your dog doesn't have a lot of experience with the thing coming on on and off, uh, for all he knows, he is going to be dressed up like Princess Leia uh, for eternity. So simply getting your dog used to having the thing come on and off and on and off is a good idea. But what you can start doing ideally in the weeks before you plan to dress up your dog is to put the costume on your dog and then feed him his meals. Put it on right before mealtime. And this is an easy way to help your dog create that association. Gosh, when I'm wearing this weird thing, I get my yummy dinner, plus breakfast, plus lunch, or whatever. Of course, you could also just put it on and feed treats, but if you're gonna be giving your dog meals anyway, that's certainly a good time to be forging uh, the association between yummy stuff and weird costume. Now, if you put a costume on your dog and your dog is too stressed out to eat, that's certainly some good information for you. A dog who is not eating his food is often a dog that is super anxious. So in that case, you might just start out having the costume near your dog's food bowl while your dog is eating. Or you could just try putting on some element of the costume rather than the whole costume. Or you could see if uh, your dog will take something very high value uh, in lieu of food when the costume is on, you know, maybe hot dogs or roast beef or cheese or peanut butter or something like that. 
but it's uh, it's an easy way to help create good associations with wearing something weird. It's something you can do a few times a day, and uh, you're also getting your dog used to having the outfit come on and off and on and off so that um, he's not fearful about it being on forever. Now really this isn't so different than the way that we get dogs used to any strange thing that they might have to wear which uh, may not have to do with Halloween or any holiday. For example a muzzle or uh, uh, an e-collar like they often have to wear after any kind of uh, medical procedure. In our puppy kindergarten classes that's one thing we practice doing is we practice teaching a dog that when uh, they have the cone on they get treats and they get good stuff and then the cone comes off that it comes on and off and that when it is around the neck uh, good things happen. Otherwise kind of the same thing with uh, my my Halloween scenario of the dog putting on the costume and then going to a possibly stressful event uh, what can happen is the first time your dog is in a cone, it's also the first time that they're recovering from surgery, they're groggy, they're not feeling well, and so why not set them up for success by getting them used to the cone when they're feeling just fine. Same thing goes with the muzzle. Sometimes dogs have to put on muzzles at the vet when they're having a procedure done. Uh, any dog can bite, and certainly dogs who are scared and in pain are more likely to bite than other dogs. Most veterinarians have muzzles on hand just for this reason, but isn't it a good idea to get your dog used to wearing a muzzle before they're going to be poked and prodded while having to wear it uh, for the first time? Same thing goes with a coat or a sweater if you think you're going to want to put those on your dog or with booties. Uh, a lot of times we don't think about getting a dog acclimated to wearing booties until it's really rainy or really snowy outside, which adds a whole other layer of stress possibly. So you can get your dog used to uh, having things on his, his or her feet um, or wearing a jacket when they're inside just eating their, their regular food on a, on a normal day. Now, I'm kind of a fan, though, of combining training a dog to wear the weird things we sometimes need them to wear because of health or safety or weather with Halloween. Uh, one thing that you could do is train your dog to wear a cone, for instance, um, that is also a costume. And... That way you're doing something that's actually useful training-wise and also may sort of scratch the itch you have to dress up your dog. Um, a few years ago at School for the Dogs, we did another event where we uh, decorated cones in all sorts of funny ways. We, we made it so a cone kind of was decorated with... Um, like uh, cotton balls and a, and a red triangle at the top so it looked like uh, the dog was Santa Claus. We had a cone that um, had a skewer in it 
with some foam olives so it looked like the dog's head was like a martini glass uh you know you can totally get creative in that way and also at the same time be training your dog to feel okay about wearing an e-collar um or aka an elizabethan collar or a cone um ditto with muzzles there are actually uh some crazy looking muzzles out there there are ones that look like duck bills there are ones that um have scary teeth and stuff on them and i i've talked about this before but i think it's never a bad idea for a dog to learn to wear a muzzle even if you're pretty certain your dog's never gonna bite anyone it still might just make other people feel comfortable to have your dog in a muzzle because not everybody's comfortable around dogs uh there could be a situation like i was talking about at the vet where your dog may need to wear a muzzle so teaching your dog to wear a muzzle that is one of these let's call them creative muzzles um again it's kind of you know two birds one stone because like so many things, your dog doesn't know the difference between the things we want him to do because it's useful and the things we want him to do because it's silly and it pleases us. So your dog doesn't know that wearing a wig is just for fun, but wearing a muzzle is necessary. But you can use the same slow acclimation process and you can make use of associations to train your dog to wear either one. And uh, just a little plug for our Facebook group. Last week, Anna Marie, uh, our trainer who's now living in California, did a little video about teaching dogs to wear muzzles. So definitely go check that out. And actually, a few years ago, I had a class where I challenged my students to teach their dog to wear something really, really crazy to the point where it seemed like the dog would feel okay about it. And I took the challenge myself and the crazy thing I taught my dog to wear was a sock on his head. Now, I made holes for his nose and mouth. I made holes for his eyes. I made holes for his ears. Uh, but it was basically a sock mask that I taught him to put on his face and to walk around with with happy body language over time by putting it on, feeding him his meals, taking it off, putting it on, feeding him his meals, and then getting him used to doing normal things with it on. And, uh, you know, again, there it wasn't something I was doing with great purpose. I was just trying to see if it would be possible to teach him to feel okay about this weird and sort of obtrusive kind of costume and uh and it totally was and it actually looked pretty hilarious he kind of looked like a panda bear or like snoopy because the sock was white and he's black and he had these like two black holes for eyes and this black nose and his black ears uh, and he definitely got lots of attention on the street which i actually think uh, he enjoyed so if you kind of want to weight the bat that is something that you could try and do you know, I've heard of actors, for example, who um, when they're preparing to uh, go on an audition will sit in some sort of really crazy position and uh, recite their lines that way in a really sort of uncomfortable body position. Um, because if you can learn to recite your lines and be relaxed in some strange, uh, strange physical state, 
you're going to feel a lot better when you're sitting normally. So I think sort of the same the same idea applies. If you can teach your dog to wear a sock on his head, you are making great strides to teaching your dog to dress up like a bumblebee or to wear a muzzle when necessary. Now, I know I've been talking a lot about how many dogs are uncomfortable in costumes, and you might say, well, how do you know, Annie? Uh, Are you having conversations with these dogs? Are you doing some kind of dog ESP? Uh, No, I am not doing either. I am really just guessing, uh, as so much of interpreting dog behavior really is about guessing, but it's informed guessing based on the fact that I'm pretty familiar with certain pieces of dog body language that I think every dog owner can learn to read. There are certain things dogs tend to do when they are uncomfortable, and like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we call these, uh, we often call these displacement behaviors or stress signals. And I just wanted to point out a few of them because if you are going to put your dog on a, in a costume, um, it's a good thing to keep an eye on whether or not they're showing these kinds of uh, these kinds of stress signals. And if you see other dogs in costumes, um, it's good practice to, uh, to start reading these kinds of signals in other dogs. So a really big one, a common one, one that I think every single dog does probably at some point every day is uh, is a lip lick or also sometimes kind of looks like a tongue flick. Basically, unless your dog has just swallowed something, in which case they're very likely to lick their lips or if your dog has like a mouthful of peanut butter, your dog is likely to uh, lick his lips. But um, otherwise, if you see your dog's tongue coming out of his mouth and it's not an obviously happy tongue, right? Not an obviously sort of loose, panting tongue. Um, If you see a tongue that's going up across their their upper lip uh, or coming out really quickly onto their upper lip, that is generally a tongue flick. Uh, or lip lick, like I said, we call it both things, and is usually a sign of discomfort. Um, We think it has something to do maybe with how they relate to their mother. It might be a way that they're communicating to each other that they mean no harm. It could be some sort of self-soothing behavior. There are lots of things that humans do, that we do with our mouths when we're stressed out that... um, probably we do because in some way it makes us feel better. So the lip lick is certainly something to keep an eye out for. And like I said, most dogs do it really frequently. If they hear a funny noise um, or if they spot an unfamiliar object or they're feeling weird about another dog who's passing by, there are a million things that I think trigger uh, a tongue flick throughout the day. But in a situation where your dog is in, in a costume that he's not comfortable in, it's certainly a time where you're going to see it more than other times. Yawning is a similar signal that dogs give when they're uncomfortable. I think it's something that dogs probably do more when they're stressed out than when they're simply tired. Scratching their ears with a hind leg is another sign that your dog might be feeling a little weird about whatever's going on. 
yes, of course it's possible your dog just has an itchy ear or is uncomfortable with his collar, but we tend to lump it together with displacement behaviors. Um, I think of it, I think of it kind of as like your dog is, is trying to be busy, look busy. I had one client who said, oh, when, when he scratches his ear, is that kind of like when I'm at a party and I check my phone, even though it's dead? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it probably is something like that. I actually also think that, um, ear, ear scratching is something dogs tend to do when they're getting a little overwhelmed or tired often in training if I do in a 90 minute session with a puppy which is a, a long session for a puppy but often our, our first sessions are that long um, towards the end uh, I'll start to see a lot of ear scratching um, which to me is a sign that it's time to to wrap things up similarly uh, shaking off can be a sign of discomfort especially with anything relating to clothing um, my dog, who is pretty used to wearing clothing, I'll still see him shake off. Certainly when I take something off of him, it's kind of like, uh, that was weird sort of motion. Or at least that's how I interpret it when your dog is shaking, but when, you know, he or she isn't wet, uh, usually it's, it's a sort of like a reset, like, okay, um, I didn't like that, but let's, let's just shake off that funny feeling and move on to the next thing. And the last stress signal I wanted to mention is what we call whale eye uh, or half moon eye. That's when you can see the side white part of your dog's eye and uh, the rest of his or her body is usually standing very, very still. Um, I kind of think of it like your dog thinks, well, if, if I'm very still and only move my eyes, nobody can actually tell that I'm here. Uh, a, a fearful dog is often a very still dog who is only moving his eyes in that way. It might be accompanied by your dog uh, pushing his ears back or what's called piloerection, uh, which is like the hairs on the, the neck and the back standing up. Um, but it's just a, another bit of body language that dogs are using to communicate to each other and to us, hey, I'm not that comfortable with what's going on. So when you see these things, if you see it in another dog, certainly give that dog some space. Don't let your dog rush that dog. And if you see it in your dog, see what you can do to relieve some of the stress. That might be, like I said, creating a better association with whatever is going on, whether that's using food or treats or play or, you know, your own soothing voice or attention, um, or, you know, certainly alleviate the stress. If we're talking about putting your dog in a costume, take your dog out of the costume or take off some element of the costume, but your dog does not have the capability to talk to you about being uncomfortable with words, he does have the capability of doing it with these little bits of body language that uh, he's trying to use to communicate his feelings. So use this as an opportunity to get good at a speaking dog in this way. So if you're celebrating Halloween with your dog this year, I hope that uh, it's a good chance to do some good training if you have a low stress easy costume that you've come up with 
something super clever, please share it with me. I would love to see it and I will share it with others if that's cool with you. And I also just wanted to mention that for an upcoming episode, I'm trying to put together some ideas on how to be an environment, environmentally friendly pet owner, sort of how to um, provide for your dog without leaving a great footprint uh, on the earth, Eco, eco-friendly products and ideas. If you have any, uh, please share them with me. Again, you can do so in our Facebook group or through Instagram, or you can just go ahead and email us, podcast at schoolforthedogs.com. Our woof shout out this week goes to Nelson. Speaking of muzzles, Nelson belongs to uh, Joni Comenzo and, uh, and wears a muzzle, and I'm going to... Um, link to a photo if I can find one of him in one of these crazy scary muzzles that they make that have like bloody teeth all over them but um I wanted to just give Joni and Nelson uh a hello because not only um did they do an amazing takeover on our Instagram this weekend in in our stories that was just kind of epic I, I hope you saw it. Um, they also uh, were featured in a little video we did on Facebook, and the episode that featured an interview with Joni last week was our most listened to episode to date. Um, a lot of people seemed to get a lot out of it, were really touched by her story. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, please uh, go back and check it out. I think you will definitely get something out of it. It's called We Need to Talk About Nelson, Life with a Muzzled Dog. And our fun dog fact of the day is that the most popular dog costume this year, uh, and I've got this from a representative of Ruby's, which is a company that makes all kinds of costumes, including many different kinds of dog costumes. They told me that the most popular costumes for dogs this year were from their Disney princess line of costumes. Apparently there are a lot of people out there, I'm guessing both children and adults, who are dressing their dogs up this year as Elsa and... uh, Belle and um, Cinderella and uh, Snow White. Of course, the real question is, what will the real princesses dress up their dogs as? What will, what will Kate Middleton's dogs be? What will um, Meghan Markle's dogs be dressed as? I am excited to, <laughs> excited to learn. Uh, or maybe, maybe they're not into that kind of thing. Who knows? Anyway. I will report back if I find out. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by telling your friends about it, leaving a review, or shopping in our online store. You can learn more about us and sign up to get lots of free training resources when you visit us online at schoolforthedogs.com. 